Hello and welcome to Got the Runs, the podcast with all the sexual chemistry of you and your best friend's <laughs> descendant from the 29th century. Uh, welcome to the program today. We, of course, last week, <laughs> we talked about last episode, we completed our mini-series on Brian K. Vaughn, a peek behind the curtain. We've we've been on a little vacay, David. A little bit, yeah. We skipped one week because of no reason at all. <laughs> it just didn't work out. And then, just of vibes. course, yeah, just vibes. Uh, and then, of course, we, uh, as this episode comes out, probably in like April 2022, mm-hmm. <laughs> we're, uh, yes, enjoyed a little bit of Christmas vacation, uh, cuddled that huge headed baby that we both know and love. I hope everyone is enjoying A Pill, by the way. Everyone's Sorry, watching. What? You're, wait, have I not talked to you about it? Wait. Have I talked about Funny Vember on this okay, podcast? First of all, are you saying A Pill or Ape Hill? <laughs> <laughs> i'm of course talking about a pill the month of okay. where you watch pilled movies uh, oh right i don't think you've talked about funny vember we have of course discussed a pill at length <laughs> off mic How, why yes, don't you um, <laughs> well i just want to wish everyone i hope everyone had a great funny vember uh, a joyous nice ember i hope everyone is working their way through Steve Ken Zon of Jongstis Uary. <laughs> um, and I don't remember what February March are, but I really hope everyone's enjoying APEL and gearing up, of course, for gay <laughs> when you watch LGBT movies. Boy, I hope uh, a New York Christmas wedding is going to be <laughs> making the list. Oh. Wow, what a great poll and what a great film. But of course, we're not here to discuss any of that. You know what I'm going to do, David? I'm going to restart the episode. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to type something into Google. I'm typing a 90-minute timer because that's how long this episode is going to be. (laughs) All right, deal. In keeping with... uh, Keeping with the theme of time this week, uh, because I'm not allowing this to drag on as it might. Sorry, Um, there's someone knocking at the door. Oh, it's me from a week from now. <laughs> you As even... happens in a million <laughs> issues yeah. of this series. Uh, they all, when you read them back to back, you do realize that <laughs> all of them kind of have the same plot. Um, but of course, what are we talking about? We're talking about uh, Jughead's Time Police. Uh, so we're we're reading from... there. I realized today, before we recorded, that there is like a newer Time Police series. Like, yes. A six-issue miniseries, which you have not read? I have not read. I'm interested to... I have read some reviews for it that are mostly like, it's fine. But yes, it's written by Cena Grace. I believe Derek Charm uh, does the art in that. And it seems to be like examining the core, (laughs) like, let's define who Jughead is as a character, which... Uh, I'm sure we'll discuss shortly, but I, of course, love Jughead. He's near and dear to my heart. So I am interested to read, uh, you know, what the company is putting out as far as in-depth examinations of the very essence of Jughead's character. Yeah, then there is truly a lot going like the, the time police is implausibly deep in its uh in its lore it's, uh, yeah i don't even know where to start talking about this especially with our 90 minute timer counting down but archie <laughs> okay I, i'm gonna start the timer right now hold okay. on okay and then and that'll be you know we, we've done we've done a solid five minutes up top 
another 90, probably 30 minute outro. <laughs> and then we'll be set. Uh, okay, so I think that the best way to... So we... Let's talk about Archie. Right. I think <laughs> we talked about Archie a little bit in the Secret Origins episode. Not that <laughs> we expect anyone to have listened to the Secret Origins episode, but... I- as comic readers, I would say that Archie for us is the urtext. Uh, mm-hmm. It is the comic that we have read like probably the most pages of, and it's not even close. There is no character that we have probably consumed more content about, maybe period, than Archie. Because we are, like I'm sure many people, kids who grew up getting Archie digests in our Christmas stockings, getting Archie digests as like, you know things that just were picked up at the grocery store we would read archie digests in like on car trips things like that so we have consumed a ton of archie comics um i would say that we both have uh, a strong enjoyment of archie that is both ironic and unironic is that fair to say i was i was reading these these issues and i was like man like some some just like classic archie jokes in here just really hit the spot yeah and like i even like this past christmas that we just celebrated i a 30 year old man (laughs) was gifted an archie's double digest and i read that sucker on christmas morning and i laughed and laughed at moose getting mad that archie and reggie were kissing midge under the mistletoe Yeah, it did seem like a slightly problematic edition it was of Archie. Extremely, that was like the lead story. It was like, hey, kids, come check out Archie. Here's the first, hmm, let's see. Uh, Moose is strong-armed into uh, giving his permission for Midge to kiss people. Hey, you know, it's punchline these days. <laughs> the punchline of that story is, so Betty and Veronica feel that it's Midge's right as a woman to be kissed convince moose that uh on christmas there should be no violence or anger and that if midge is standing (laughs) under the mistletoe and he won't kiss her because he and i quote doesn't believe in kissing (laughs) then archie and reggie should be allowed to which they do but then betty and veronica feel that they are enjoying kissing midge too much and also become angry and then the clock rolls over and it's boxing day and they like flag for Moose like, it's not Christmas anymore, big guy. And then Moose like beats them up. And the like last panel is like Archie and Reggie running around with a big like, help, text bubble and like their arms over their heads while Betty and Veronica are in their classic like, yeah, like imperious okay, also, like arms crossed. Oh, just, just because this is, another, speaking of an urtext, uh-huh. I think we need to talk about the the smart guy post episode stinger <laughs> many of you may recall the uh, i'm i guess it was probably an abc thing we know it as a family I, channel sitcom it being, must be a disney channel yeah channel. let me see what we've got here uh smart guy starring um oh what's that kid's name on the WB of oh. Taj Maori, who yeah. is now uh, hot, <laughs> best known, <laughs> sure, and is he best not? known for, I of course, that was a thing. Uh, oh, he's hot for sure. But he is, of course, now best known for Baby Daddy, hmm. uh, which has run for, which ran for one hundred episodes. So he was like a secondary lead. It, it's like it's basically a three men and a baby adaptation. Okay. <laughs> Anyways, like, oh, sorry, go on. Taj Mahal's career. So, anyways, a show like a classic like kids sitcom. The premise is he's like ten years old and a genius, and he goes to high the same high school as his brother and sister, uh, and is the smartest kid in class, and all of the hilarious antics that spring from that. In one episode, his dad uh, 
like I can't even remember how it comes out. I okay, think he I like can, makes... I can explain. Okay. I can explain this. <laughs> Please do. The conceit of this one episode. So obviously, you know, TJ being so smart and so young, it creates problems for him. And so the conceit of this episode is that he bumps his head, or maybe oh, Mo, his friend yeah. Mo, hits him in the head with a basketball, perhaps, and he becomes dumb, or not. He's pretty dumb. He, well, okay. <laughs> I was going to say normal, but I think he's, like, quite dumb. The thing of it, I think the thing of it is, like, he is actually dumb for, like, 10 yeah. seconds. Yeah, and, hold on, okay, hold okay. on. Proceed. Sorry, I was drinking my Diet Pepsi. Uh-huh. So, he be, he becomes dumb. Uh, but then at some it's point... It's a real flowers re- for Algernon. <laughs> <laughs> it, it actually <laughs> genuinely is. And it was probably inspired by that. So, he... Bumps his head, he becomes dumb. At some point, he becomes smart again. Maybe he bumps his head again or something. I don't remember. Um, in classic sitcom fashion. But at any rate, he becomes smart again, but he realizes that his life is easier and everyone likes him more when he's dumb. Like, his brother doesn't feel as threatened by him, etc. And so he continues pretending to be dumb. Uh, but then this is discovered by his father, Floyd. Love Floyd. Great, great TV <laughs> A great dad. single father. Really? Oh, what a great show. He rocks a flannel. Love that guy. Um, and so the way that he finds TJ out is TJ is, of course, reading a Jughead comic, um, but concealed within the Jughead comic is like a, a galactic astronomy textbook or something. So, or like nuclear physics or something extremely complex. Uh, a classic reverse of the bit where like he would be <laughs> yeah. someone, a stupid character would be reading like a quantum physics textbook and then inside is a jackhead comic. <laughs> right, exactly. And so Floyd is like, Floyd makes up this fake story about Jughead, or rather it's about, <laughs> you know, it's about the whole gang. Right. Well, he's like, hey, is that the one where, and then he like yes, makes up Yes, is that the one where this happens? And of course we will tell you what <laughs> the ending part is. <laughs> But he makes up a fake story and then is found out. And TJ is like, that was like a really good, like, you should write Archie comics. <laughs> the button of the scene is you should write into Archie comics and tell them about this great story <laughs> idea you had. Um, <laughs> and I, I have not seen this episode in many years. I believe I recently, or a few years ago, rewatched this specific scene just because it's like so thoroughly <laughs> ingrained in yeah, our heads. It's definitely on YouTube. I think it might be on Disney Plus as well. I okay. Well, here, I, if it's I a will... WB, it might be on HBO Max. <laughs> <laughs> so check your local listings. I will do my version of what I believe the <laughs> the story to be. So he's so, that the like end yeah, credit the, scene basically is like Floyd is typing away at a laptop, writing his Archie script, and like saying yes. what he's writing and, out loud and narrating it out loud. Yes, and so here is what I believe it to be. <laughs> it's Jughead, the chair still glued to his butt, <laughs> runs by Archie and Moose dressed in hunting gear <laughs> as, as a swarm of bees in the shape of an arrow follow behind him. And then Moose says, duh, at least when he gets tired of running, he can sit down. (laughs) It's like so on point that I can literally picture the panel as if it was like a real comic. Like I can see it in my head so clearly in like the Archie House style. Like I know exactly what it would look like. 
like I could almost draw it if I had like any artistic talent. But it's like such oh. an on point representation of like the kind of joke that would be in an Archie comic that I can literally see the panel like as if it was real. <laughs> it's so funny. And also the detail of Archie and Miss being dressed in hunting gear is so funny. <laughs> So oh, we love Archie. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yes, so suffice to say that we like Archie, uh, and I do. Some of these stories we do, I do remember from mm-hmm. you know because I how what is the release strategy exactly? They just collect random stories into like these digest editions. Yeah, that- basically. So like, I think in any given issue of Archie. They might have changed this recently, but I think for a long time, any given issue of Archie was kind of an anthology format where you would maybe have like one main story, but also like the classic like one pager gags, the like four page stories, all that sort of thing. And then when it was time for a double digest, they would just collect like a scattershot assortment of stories from across many issues and many eras and just pack With them one all. character. Sometimes, but yeah, like, I mean, they, there was, of course, like Archie's Double Digest and Jughead's Double Digest and like Betty and Veronica and Pals and Gals and all that. But those were all also titles. So I think they were generally either from the title in question or they might be list, like lifted from like it might be a, a story that appeared in Archie, but is like highly Jughead centric. Right. It is very like it's very strange for me to imagine going to a comic shop and buying like a like floppy single issue archie uh, yeah. comic i like almost don't know if i've ever seen one <laughs> i feel like, like that's not, a real like, grocery store find yeah uh, but then that's also where you'd get the double digest which is so much more bang for your buck yes at like i i definitely have seen like Life with Archie and the Married Life, and you know some of the more modern ones that have been newsworthy for various reasons. Um, and then, of course, like the the relaunch that they did recently that was kind of spearheaded by the Archie title that Mark Wade wrote, and then Roberto Aguirre Sacasa's Afterlife with Archie books. Like those, those were sort of like comics world sensations where it was a a very conventional like floppy release schedule 22 page story in each comic and you know ran it in comic stores in the same way that any other sort of mainstream comic like that would but like like an issue of like archie number 254 like i don't know if i've ever even seen one I, b- I believe I have seen them, like, I have a very vivid memory of them being, like, on the rack with, like, Sonic the Hedgehog well, comics. I think what you're imagining is the comic rack that bizarrely used to be at the local chapters, not even at the grocery store. Right. Uh, A.K.A. Indigo, A.K.A. pretty much Barnes & Noble, if yep. you're not familiar. <laughs> the, the Sonic world is one we should dive into at some time, because oh. it's uh, a whole nother level. But I can't even imagine. So Archie is, like, a weird thing where... Jughead's Time Police, like, (laughs) is a completely demented concept. It's the work of a madman. And yet it's one of, like, a million such, (laughs) like, stories in Archie where, like, it's, it's always been a very weird book where, like, on one page you might have a story about how, you know if archie accidentally double booked a date (laughs) i think there's probably one story with that as the plot in every issue of archie and then you can turn the page and it's like 
Archie has to, like, rescue Mr. Lodge's yacht from terrorists. <laughs> like, tonally, or, like, not even to- like, tonally, it's always very consistent, but, like, the genre elements, the, like, story conventions, things like that swing so wildly between Slice of Life and, like, every other genre you can imagine. Like, there was Archie 3000, there was Archie BC, there oh those are awful <laughs> like little archie um, real flintstones type beats i yeah, remember oh, one oh, specific it's such a flintstones ripoff i remember one specific like series which i never like saw the full arc of which always annoyed me but it's like they're doing like a cross country oh no it's with the rc cars you remember that oh yeah i do kind of remember that <laughs> that one was always like weirdly stuck out to me as being like whoa this is so cool because it's like they're racing across the country yeah with rc the, cars the the like multi-parter stories are, are like kind of head scratchers because again like you might have a story like that where there's one part in each issue for like five issues but then also, like, in the same packed in there with that, there's, like, a two-page gag story. There's, like, a, a six-page, like, you know, various different different Archie stories. I want to read for you the thing that I was alluding to just before we started recording. Uh, I was reading an article about queerness in comics because uh, in the 2015 Jughead series that was uh, launched by Chip Zdarsky and then later taken on by Ryan North... Jughead was like textually confirmed as asexual. And so they were writing about queerness in comics. They were writing about Jughead's like revealed asexuality in the comics beat. This is an article by Avery Kaplan uh, for comics beat. And Kaplan quotes from uh, a book that was like written, like a scholarly book that was written called 12 Cent Archie by Bart Beattie. And like paraphrasing says, 12 Cent Archie also discusses the plot mechanisms that inform nearly every Archie story. Two axioms are identified as essential, (laughs) that the characters must act in accordance with their defining characteristics and that the action flowing from those characteristics should occur as soon as possible, ideally before the page is turned. Which I'm like, that does summarize kind of like the essential nature of Archie in like, I guess what it is about Archie that allows him and his his broad cast of characters to exist in such a wide sort of variety of stories is that they are like known in their kind of like, they're, they're like Jungian archetypes almost in terms of yes. like what they have in the way of personalities. And those personalities are so like thoroughly understood that you can use them to like initiate narrative and conflict in like five words. <laughs> yes, because the 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 opening to the first Jughead's Time Police story, the full essentially the full conceit of like what the whole thing is going to be is literally laid out in the first two pages. Yeah, it's uh it's been I mean it's got lots of like the the like what I I think of as a very sort of like sixties style of <laughs> like information downloading that makes it instantly new reader friendly where like every time January McAndrews appears, Jughead is like <laughs> Yes. Time Marshal Deputy like January McAndrews, Archie's distant descendant from the twenty ninth century. Are you here to take me on a time police mission and also kiss me? <laughs> Like every single time, <laughs> there's a heavy a heavy reload on every issue for sure. Yeah, but but we love it. Have you ever read Afterlife with Archie or any of the like modern Archie reboots? 
No, all of the like, all of the gritty Archie, like it just, it's like, I get it. It's fun. Mm-hmm. There is so okay. So for first, we should back up and say we're reading from here. This it's essentially a digest, right? Yeah, it's a, it's a little bit higher quality in terms of like the paper and materials and things like that. But yeah, it's basically a digest. Yeah, I read it digitally, but it's just called Jughead's Time Police. It's part of the Archie Superstars collection, and it collects Archie Giant series or you know material from. Archie Giant Series 590 and 602, Jughead 14 and 18, Jughead's Time Police 1 to 6, and then Jughead number 2, which is the new, the Chips of Darkie series. And like reading, and so reading that one, the new one, which mm. sort of, you know, is just a riff on that, the Time Police concept. Like, yes. It's like, it has that modern, like, Chip Zdarsky or Ryan North-esque type of humor, mm-hmm. which I really like. And and there are definitely some gags that feel very, like, a lot of times the jokes will be very in keeping with the Archie, like, yes. that sort of, like, the core humor. Like, yeah. there's a bit at the end of the, the Jughead comic where it's, like, Jughead has, like, rigged an obstacle course <laughs> to make it easy for himself. Like, pushes a is... cutout in the shape of his body <laughs> out of, like, the wall he's supposed to scale. <laughs> and just, like... And it's... <laughs> yes and it's very funny and it is very classic archie and so it's like there is a lot of that essence in it but then that makes the like chips at rc or ryan norsk-esque little like bits of humor that get dropped in like they just feel jarring to me mm-hmm. like it's just it's too modern in a way yeah i i was not crazy about the jughead series although i know a lot of people were mark wade's archie i think accomplishes it much more successfully in terms of updating the like the tone while incorporating all of the sort of like things that everyone loves about Archie. Like it's still very recognizably Archie, but like successfully modernized in a way that I think is more readable and more sort of like emotionally engaging and more uh, like nuanced, I guess (laughs) like they it's, it's just a little more real, but, and, and I think afterlife with Archie, which sort of, is what launched Roberto Aguirre Sacasa onto like his current trajectory where he's like the chief creative officer of Archie and like the showrunner for uh, Riverdale and like things like that. I'm not crazy about Riverdale, but I think <laughs> I don't even know if we could start to talk I don't about think Riverdale, we can. but afterlife with Archie is I think a good sort of like proof of concept that, that led to uh, like the Mark Wade Archie, I think probably, gave like the Cena Grace Jughead's Time Police series that we mentioned it's like kickoff as well to show that like you can do what Mark Wade does really well as far as like modernizing the characters recontextualizing them without losing like kind of the core elements of the characters and then a step beyond that you can play with like the genre trappings which it has as we've been talking about always kind of flirted with other genres but you can actually like take those those like narrative tropes and those like hallmarks of something like a zombie survival horror and like put it over Archie without completely losing those things now like again we're talking about the comic that like birthed the the like blossom twins incest uh story beat that is also used in uh Riverdale and like uh, Archie caves his dad's head in with a baseball bat in like a long two-page sequence. So the fact that like you can have that and still be like, but it's still Archie is like pretty pretty impressive, uh, and I think is born out of these sorts of weird sort of experimental things like Jughead's Time Police. 
So let's talk about Jughead's time police, I guess, well, all that to say. Um, just the one the one thing I wanted to say about Riverdale, because I've not seen it, mm-hmm. but and I was I I believe I recently read you this little chunk of plot yeah, synopsis. Yeah, you, you read us the plot <laughs> synopsis for like a forthcoming episode that was again completely deranged the work of a madman. Yeah, so this is this is season six, episode one of Riverdale. So, you know, if you're it aired a few months ago, so if you don't want to be spoiled, skip ahead a minute. I'll just read verbatim from Wikipedia. Cheryl invites the entire town to a maple festival where Archie and Betty are crowned king and queen. Archie receives a pie for winning and eats it with Betty that night before having sex. <laughs> Later that night, Archie is called to the maple groves by Kevin, who tells him that a group of people are harming Betty. Upon arrival, Archie finds much of the town gathered and prepared to make a sacrifice. Betty reveals that her and Archie conceived a child before finding that he is to be sacrificed. Veronica bludgeons him with a rock, and they affix him to a post where Cheryl Blossom carves out his heart, killing him. (laughs) No, I will say that is a classic, like, not a classic, like, Riverdale is very much the kind of show where, like, that's, like, the season one episode cliffhanger thing, and then, like, Episode two is Archie being like, oh, I just had the craziest dream. <laughs> like, or, or like six months ago. <laughs> and then like, how do we get to there? And then, you know, but yes, I don't like Riverdale. <laughs> I like Roberto Aguirre's Acasa a lot. I wish he spent more time writing comics and less time writing Riverdale. But we're not talking about Roberto Aguirre's Acasa. The main person who I think we're talking about is Rich Marjopoulos because he is the writer of the vast majority of these Jughead's Time Police stories. And I think the originator of the concept, Yeah, he is like, not a career Archie guy, uh, but like most of his credits are Archie stuff. He like weirdly worked on the comic Creepy for a while as well. Had some collaborations with Richard Corbin, who is like a noted creepy. Uh, yes, <laughs> some collaborations with Richard Corbin, who is uh, like a noted horror artist. But I think like when I look through his credits, I do feel like Jughead's Time Police is his his kind of lasting imprint what do you think it is about i i guess i have a lot of questions about this like why jughead is kind of number one although like i guess he kind of makes sense he's always kind of been a character who is like a more than meets the eye figure that it makes sense that he would have like this crazy (laughs) secret life but i am kind of like why jughead i think it's that and also he has a certain like unflappability about him where like, you know, five pages in you can right. buy that like Jughead is like <laughs> riding in a thought bubble <laughs> over the air of Riverdale <laughs> to escape from time thieves in or and like and just like I think the inherent joke like because like one of the biggest like inherent jokes of the whole thing is that like everyone reveres Jughead in the future. Yeah. Like this is I feel like this is a very classic joke that it's like the guy that no one expected or like the slacker guy right. is like revered in the future as like a great thinker and a great man. Uh, we get allusions to the idea that Jughead came up with an idea that basically like brought about world peace <laughs> and was awarded the Nobel Prize and also maybe was president, but it's not clear. And also like not co-founded the Time Police, but like was one of its greatest agents. Yeah, he's like the hero, the yeah, the like all-time hero of the Time Police. He's like the he's like the Elliot Ness, I guess, of the Time Police, where people are like, <laughs> when I think about like what it means to be a, a Time Police agent, 
I think of Jughead Jones. <laughs> well, like, he wrote the official oath of the time he did, police. He did, he did write the official oath of the time police. So, yes, Rich Rich Marjopoulos coming up with these. I guess my other question about Jughead's time police is like, what is it about this particular concept that has the staying power where it's like, everybody who's ever read a Jughead's time police story remembers it. It's the kind of thing that when you're like, time for the modern updated reboot of Jughead, you're like, let's see, issue two. <laughs> what, <laughs> yeah. what do I need to pull from? Well... We can't not talk about Jughead's Time Police. Um, and, like, the fact that it has had, like, you know, another reboot series. Like, we don't see Archie BC or Archie 3000 or some of these other, like, I guess, like, staples of the Digest line, which I consider Jughead's Time Police to be recurring in the same way. Yeah, I think that, like, Archie BC, I mean, Archie BC and Archie 3000 are just, like, Flintstones and Jetsons. Yes. And, like... Those are two properties that have aged horrifically <laughs> because, like, they are mostly just about, like, it's like, oh, like, modern, it's like a satire of modern life through the lens of, like, the past and the future, respectively. Right. And, like, this is not really, like, it's, they're, they're like, this is more of a zot. <laughs> like, there are parts <laughs> of this that feel like zot where, like, it's such a world unto itself and, like, there aren't really any, like, jokes about the concept of the world other than that Jughead is, like, this revered thinker. Mm -hmm. Like, most of it is just that, like, yes, like, the, there, ex I mean, also, like, to, to, we, I think we mentioned this uh, during Paper Girls that there's, like, a lot of Paper Girls DNA in this as well. <laughs> but it's, like, yes, like, there is this organization called the Time Police and they take care of time and, like, sometimes there are disturbances in time and uh, you yes. have to solve them. And, like, I think that, like, there's <laughs> just like there's something to that and of course like time travel stories are just like classic and there's yes, always certainly. like there are a billion time travel stories and so i think that like the fact that it is like played so straight <laughs> and and like does some creative things with like i think they a lot of the thing they like to do which is a thing that like maybe not a lot, enough time travel stories do is like to create these loops where it's like like the way that we get out of this is yeah. that like someone like basically like hands us something and then we go back and hand it to ourselves so that's how like how we get out of it right there it definitely like the the plot of most of the issues is like there's a time disturbance there's a time paradox but like january mcandrews is always saying like basically like if it was going to happen it would have already happened and so the resolution is usually that jughead is like well then why don't I just like go make sure that it happens? <laughs> and and then he does. Uh, although I will say the rules are a little confusing and inconsistent at some times, perhaps not oh, shockingly. So. Yeah. I mean, the multiple Jugheads, like uh, there was no memory erasure. Why doesn't the Jughead, like why doesn't Jughead who leads that charge, who is the furthest along the timeline, remember the two other times that he's already done this lots of things like that anyways i i don't think it's worth uh discussing the rules of time travel in jughead's time police <laughs> at length for obvious reasons but oh why don't we why don't we get into jughead's time police to paraphrase your review of austin powers colon the spy who shanked me question mark Yes, Jughead does yellow face in this. <laughs> However, <laughs> but I mean the we 
The weirdest thing about it is that he doesn't really do yellow face. Their eyes just get drawn differently. Yes, yes. And of course, he learns to speak Chinese and has lingering effects from that. Well, we are getting ahead of ourselves a little bit here. Let's start with the very first Jughead's Time Police story, which is a riff on something question mark this is the one where he so he meets january mcandrews and there are like back from the future uh, like but like it's not like really a back to the future thing definitely not because there's like time terrorists who are planning to assassinate a senator he doesn't even go into the past no he doesn't he doesn't really time travel at all it's almost like well he does he does he goes to the future but like that's it's it. like almost, it's like a reverse dead zone, kind of. <laughs> you ever seen David Cronenberg's The Dead Zone? <laughs> I have not. Adapted from the Stephen King work. That movie's about like, I mean, spoilers, but like the the conceit of it ends up being that like this guy who can see the future, Christopher Walken, mm-hmm. has a vision of like Martin Sheen becoming like the most evil president of all time. And so has to like go assassinate Martin Sheen so that like his vision does not come to pass. And so this is the opposite of that where... and. I was I was very intrigued by the politics of this <laughs> because to quote January McAndrews, uh, so basically that there's a senator in town visiting Riverdale. We they know in the future that Jughead saves his life, and to quote January McAndrews, the senator will become president. He will go down in history as a great man, mm, not unlike Jughead and, himself, who we see carved onto Mount Rushmore. <laughs> Yes. Uh, Senator Bailey does not get the same honor. But, and so I was like, this is interesting because, like, who are these time thieves that are going back to cause this, like, retroactive assassination of this senator? What are their motivations? Yeah. Are they, they, they must be some kind of political extremists, but are they far right? Are they far left? It would it be is <laughs> true as well that like there's no like he's he's like beloved as a great president because this it's just like he is a great man <laughs> yeah well that's the same thing with Jughead as well where which is like a part of the joke for sure but mm-hmm. then like it's like he came up with an idea that changed the world yeah <laughs> he got a statue that says uh, Jughead Jones a truly great man which <laughs> after the adventures of Jughead's time police number one I feel is sure to be pulled down by protesters <laughs> is the jughead a truly great man statue <laughs> i guess he fights on the union side so it's like a civil <laughs> he's <laughs> he's in the clear from some respects but i do feel like that would be a statue that would potentially come down at some point they're probably there probably shouldn't be any more statues of and, anyone, and really. That say a truly great man yeah, exactly. like An objectively good person. Who never did anything wrong. <laughs> yeah. Except Kyle Lowry. He should have a statue. Mm, unproblematic fave. <laughs> <laughs> the time thieves are, of course, in possession of a jugometer or a jugometer, depending on... <laughs> See, I thought that did something different. Oh, come on <laughs> come on it was you right it was, there it was right there you thought it was employed by the fbi that's right <laughs> uh and i know anyone who's ever walked by a mall kiosk gets it <laughs> yeah oh everyone gets that uh or seen the outtakes to uh the other guys a truly great film mm. Um, just a few notes here. They have a thought bubble, which allows you to, to travel via your thoughts. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, that's like calling it a steering wheel car. Yep. <laughs> At one point, he says, call me Jug. Everyone else does. Is this true? A <laughs> lot of people call him... him Jug. A lot of people call him Juggy. Juggy, yes. Juggers, I've heard for sure. Jugster as well. Yep. Yes, because he's got, she calls he's got a him, lot of like, sub nicknames. Yes, the great Forsyth. Wait, his, isn't his isn't Jellybean, which we love his Jellybean, sister, right? yeah. Isn't her name Forsythia? Yes, <laughs> that's correct. That's crazy. <laughs> um, anywho, so they they go into a factory. They fight an unstoppable warbot, which Jughead instantly destroys. <laughs> and I was like. I was like, how, what, what did the war look like that yeah, he that, can just like, be like rammed into the forklift? the forklift and it's destroyed. There's really yeah. not much to this story. He, he uses holograms to trick the thieves into surrendering and then they are arrested. His romantic relationship with January McAndrews is introduced with the line that this like, is all the there way, is to I it. I don't know how to say this, but I've fallen in love with you. <laughs> And Chughead replies, don't, please, you'll only make this harder, as he's about to have his memory of the events wiped. And, like, that's it. And then, yes, he saves Senator Bailey's life successfully. Course of history is uh, preserved. Yeah, obviously it mostly exists to, like, lay out this, like, the conceit of there being a time police and of Jughead, like, being revered in the future is most of, like, what this is. Yes, uh, and you know that's 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 enough for me, quite honestly. Sure. And then we get the second story in which he has full memory of all the events. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 no. I did think that as well because he has like a dream. Oh, oh, it's yeah, like, that's right, that's he, right. He just has like lingering. You know, it's like uh, we've seen a million of these stories as well. The like memory loss, sure. where like where there's like bleeding memories like coming back into focus. Um, so Jughead is like dreaming about these events. Um, I just want to draw your attention to this this robot. Are you looking at the comic right now? I am. Yep. On page three of this story, there is a robot that is like helping oh, to yeah. dress January McAndrews, <laughs> wearing that a Jughead I'm obsessed beanie. With. <laughs> Uh, it's wearing a jacket beanie. It has one eye and like a Roller slightly terrifying smile. <laughs> yeah, its lips are huge. <laughs> it's it's a bit of a Rosie from the Jetsons, but also it's kind like... <laughs> of. But like, yeah, it's it's very weird, very creepy. Um, this page, this page as a whole, is one of my favorite in the entire comic because it has like stupid gags of Jughead's like adventures through time with like specifically the panel of Abe Lincoln being like four score and uh and Jughead is behind him going seven years ago Mr. President (laughs) yes and and also verifies that the bible is true yeah of course Uh, Moses is there when the Red Sea is parted (laughs) Jughead was there so yeah like this is all like because time travel now exists everyone knows that like (laughs) it's kind of crazy that the 29th century is hasn't become like a theocracy it's true that everyone knows that the bible (laughs) is true and like everything was real but well who knows it could be a morgan lefay type situation where moses is Mm. just using 34th century technology or he's using excaliburite yes Yes, uh, we uh, frequently, uh, especially you in your like like 10 to 12 years, commonly jokingly refer to Archie as the source of all knowledge uh, because it's so loaded like with these weird little like factoids and like 
one page like summaries of like important events of like American history. And I was surprised how many of those things cropped up in Jughead's Time Police. I was expecting like the Rene Descartes, uh, <laughs> like, I think therefore I am, which I believe we were both introduced to by Archie at like Definitely, age eight. Yes. I remember our mom being like, how do you know what that is? <laughs> Why are you quoting Descartes to me? <laughs> yeah, this one, like, if, like you said, there's not that much time traveling in the first one. And so this one is like the time travel story where, like, he's going to historical events. Um, he's, of course, like, but also, like, it has the deepest lore. Like, like right in this story, which is, like, before like time police is even spun off into like its own thing like this is basically just yeah. like time police 2 you get the, the unknown benefactor the, yeah the, the thought powered time beanie that is invented by an unknown benefactor and you don't know like what the technology is mm-hmm. which like gets paid off at the end of the the time police miniseries which is like just crazy like mm-hmm. the so much gets established so quickly and did you see that in the the jughead museum it has like the destroyed warbot Yes, <laughs> which is very funny as well. But yeah, so so he's he's given this time this time beanie, which allows him to think his way through time. And the first thing he does is wonder what World War One would be like. <laughs> I've always wanted which, trench foot. Later, we get the explanation that it's like he the re, the only reason that he's like memorized dates is because they're dates of famous disasters. But, like, <laughs> it's truly crazy that like, he is immediately teleported into, like, a World War One biplane and yeah, is fighting the, the Red Baron. The Red Baron is there, like, ah, 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 ah. <laughs> like firing yes. his machine gun at Rat-a-tat-a-tat. <laughs> yeah. And Ping and Zing are the... Uh... Yes. Take that, der Schwein. Ha, ha, ha. <laughs> yes. And then he escapes to the Titanic. Yes. Which is just classic stuff. And, and my my personal favorite is, ah, that's more like it, San Francisco at the turn <laughs> of the century. <laughs> to immediately show up somewhere and just be like, yes, I'm in San Francisco in the early 1900s. <laughs> but wait. Yes, he bounces around a bit. The main story, of course, though, is about how he leads Washington across the Delaware. <laughs> Yes, there and doesn't this? Oh, I guess it's the Civil War is the next time, but like yes. they are like very similar stories where it's like, well, yeah, Jughead Hot Dog also like helps Paul Revere at one point. <laughs> yeah, a lot of classic uh, American history stuff. But yeah, yeah, like the idea that it's like Jughead has to convince a great, like I mean, like that's just a classic stuff. It's like Jughead talking to a confused authority figure. Mm-hmm. Oh, to convince I guess, them like, to do what they're supposed to do. Yes, and I think that, like, I mean, like, it's Bill and Ted, basically, right? Yeah. Like, and that's why it's Jughead, because he is, like... I, 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 yeah, I guess so. He's the Bill and Ted figure of uh, of the Archie world. Was Bill and Ted out when the first, like, Jughead's Time Police came out? Because I'm pretty Isn't sure... this from, like, 1990? I think the first one is from the 80s. Bill and Ted is, like, mid-80s. Oh, no, it's not. It's 1989. So, like... It was and, probably like, yeah, the first time police story is October 1988. Wow, that's crazy. That <laughs> actually is very crazy. Um, <laughs> a, I guess there was just something no explaining it. I mean, obviously, Back to the Future was it's like 
a huge thing yes, at that yeah. time. Um, have you noticed that several times throughout these stories, there are instances where they obviously refer to the 20th century, but for some reason, Archie has felt compelled to update it to the 21st century, except they only changed the zero to the one, so it says the 21th century. <laughs> I did see 21th century, and I was, like, extremely confused. <laughs> I was like, what? Like, there's no way this is from... The, the year 2000 or later <laughs> yeah why are they doing not... like why are they saying that i guess because it's the 90s like, <laughs> yeah. they're just saying like it's basically the 21st century it's just crazy that they re-lettered it but like did but it badly. wrong <laughs> really bad <laughs> yes <laughs> yes but yeah, so um, he convinces uh washington to cross the delaware it's crazy <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we don't we don't have to go through all of them. I think one no, one area that I want to zone in on here is the nature of Jughead's romance with January McAndrews, mm-hmm. and also like his romantic life in general. Because I I read an article about this because I was like so confused about <laughs> Joni what was and happening Debbie <laughs> and why like that these characters were involved, and this was like a thing. In Jughead comics at this time, yes, yes, where Jughead was placed into a love triangle with uh, Debbie, who was the the new girl in school, who I think uh, I had the article pull up earlier, but it's like she like likes some weird musical artist that Jughead is into, Mm -hmm. and like Jughead is baffled by the fact that she rejects uh, Reggie and Archie, but. Uh, it takes an interest in him, and then there's Joni, Joni Jump, mm-hmm. good name, who is Jughead's childhood friend from the city that he was in before he moved to Riverdale, and then she has come to Riverdale, and so there's this like very extremely short-lived, I suppose, love triangle between Jughead, Joni, and Debbie, and we see like it's like it is very strange that these like. What feels like essentially canonical, like Jughead stories, are also just like peppered with this little love triangle thing. Yeah, that like is, I would assume, discarded in like less than a year. Like October eighty nine is the first story where we see him on a date with Joni, and then mm-hmm. June nineteen ninety is like <laughs> the end of that whole saga. Yes, uh, yeah. <laughs> what can be said about it? Uh, of course, his like, yeah, his his whole romantic life uh is very uh rich and interesting because of the you know subtextual asexuality or or possibly just aromantic i believe uh, cole sprouse has made his case that he feels that uh traditional canon jughead is aromantic and not asexual and then the the canonization of his asexuality in the 2015 series and yes it's it's all very interesting to uh to see Jughead, he certainly does not come off as asexual in these stories. He's extremely horny uh, <laughs> for January Jones. Or January, excuse me, getting ahead of myself, January McAndrews. <laughs> um, are you getting ahead of yourself because of my recently proposed January 2023 movie project to January Jones, you are? <laughs> I do not reply. acknowledged as we like to say yeah but yeah so he this this relationship with january mcandrews is so interesting i mean like it is obviously just like they decided that they should be together but like 
it is like such a strange relationship that I mean, like, I guess it sort of goes back to like Archie era dating standards mm-hmm. or like it like everyone was just like, it's fine to have like five girlfriends yeah. who you like go out on dates with regularly Truly. and like are like with all of them and all of them are just like, well, I understand perfectly. <laughs> There's a, also like just the the subtext of <laughs> Jughead being so hot for January McAndrews, who is like such a like classic gender swap of Archie, <laughs> mm. <laughs> you know? It's interesting. Yes, there is that this one scene where January appears in in his bedroom and I would say subtextually, but it feels like quite textual that Jughead <laughs> is trying to conceal an erection. <laughs> uh, he's definitely holding a pillow up over his boxers. He does not want uh, to be seen in his boxers. That's the one where they go to uh, um, serve spaghetti to Marco Polo, right? <laughs> That's later. Okay. A yen for spaghetti, of course, happens later. Oh. Uh... Yeah, but yeah, that that story like it's the the weird thing is that like it's barely even about the like it's not even really about the time police, it's just that like January shows up because like she is is one of Jughead's girls. Yes, yeah, along with like Joni and Debbie and uh, and Ethel, of course. Yes, of course. Check out Big Ethel Energy uh, on Webtoon. I want to (laughs) say, huh? Oh, right. I know what you're talking about. Yes. The traditional comics publishers have increasingly been exploring the webtoon space with a slice of life Batman story from DC, which is uh, good. And then Archie is rolling out Big Ethel Energy, which is about uh, how Ethel had a glow up after she moved to New York and became like a very successful journalist and then has to like go back to high school and confront uh, all of the the other Riverdale teens who mistreated her. Yeah, I mean, like Ethel, I mean... That at, at the very least in this comic, like Betty says that like, like she's like oh like es- like Ethel is very sweet and very dedicated to Jughead, which is like nice, but you know usually it's it's played for laughs. Yeah, that Ethel, Ethel is just like a disgusting freak. Ethel Ethel is always portrayed as like very sweet and kind and also gross <laughs> and like and to be fair, like she is pretty uh, pretty aggressive towards Jughead. Certainly, yes. Moi, moi, moi. That's kind of her whole thing. Sure. What would you say is the reveal that got the biggest reaction out of you in these stories? Just in general? <laughs> yes. Like, what? what's the uh, panel, the page, whatever, that you were like, I can't believe this is what they're doing? Well, because some of these we have read before. Like, yes. Definitely... Uh, I have a very specific memory of a yen for spaghetti. Yeah, me too. Uh, which is Jughead's time place number one. There are a couple of others, like the last one as well. I think I've I read them all at some point, but there were certainly things that I did not remember. I'll I'll spoil and go first and say that yes. when at the end of the first Morgan Le Fay story, Merlin was like, "Or my name isn't Merlin Jones." I was like. What are we doing here? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was one for sure. The the part where it's revealed that Jughead put a clone of himself into cryo sleep yeah. in case he should ever be needed by the time police before his death is definitely insane. Uh, yeah, I mean, there's there's a lot <laughs> going on here. My my comic is crashing. <laughs> I want to talk about the creative teams in this because we've already mentioned rich marjopolis who is the 
writer for most of these stories. I think there are a couple of others who take on like the Joni and Debbie story. Uh, and maybe I think there might be one other one that's written by someone else, but the, the art teams are primarily populated by, uh, staples of the Archie line, lots of Bill Yoshida, uh, lots of Barry Grossman, um, and, and everyone working very much in like the Dan DiCarlo, like house style of the Archie comics. The one that really shocked me, I feel <laughs> I could, I could go so far as to say was Gene Colan, who, uh, is the artist on the Jughead's Time Police. I think it's number two to number five. He does the pencils for all. Oh no, Rex Lindsay does number two, but he, uh, Gene Colan is the, the penciler for several of the Jughead's Time Police stories. Um, Gene the Dean, uh, the first thing I think of for him is, possibly being the first daredevil artist no that was john <laughs> that that was not him but very prominent daredevil artist uh was the artist for most of the tomb of dracula run at marvel as well so like a marvel legend co-creator of blade co-creator of the falcon uh like uh, yeah of, of a staple of like the marvel bullpen in a certain era and so to see his name cropping up on these like early 90s archie comics and to see him working in the Archie House style was like very weird to me, very funny. Yeah, Batman as well. He's done, you know, he did a fair bit of, yeah, just very surprising to see him cropping up here. That was a, a funny and pleasant little surprise. Yeah. And I, I, um, I'm just sort of paging through. And in terms of, in terms of great shocks, I think the cover of the first issue of Jughead's Time Police, where, January is running at Chuckhead, yelling, Chuckhead, no, don't eat that spaghetti. You're destroying the whole world. <laughs> it's just an incredible bit. And he is like so delighted to be <laughs> munching on the spaghetti, uh, which like isn't quite what the story is about either. And it's like, it kind of is. Kind He's of like is. sleep, dream, tr- time traveling and eating spaghetti. Yes. So there's none to serve to Marco Polo. Yeah, that's. A yen for spaghetti is uh, a crazy story. The chef also, in the Kublai Khan's kitchen is uh, Pop Tate. <laughs> Not sure oh, if you I don't know if I clocked that. <laughs> uh, yes, this is like an all-time weird one. That again, like this is the one that I remember, like from our childhood, where they travel to ancient China, mm-hmm. but Jughead, while sleep time traveling, has eaten the noodles. Um, and so they have to like remake <laughs> noodles, and then they have to make spaghetti for Marco Polo. Marco Polo the recipe. <laughs> yeah, so I'm be like, be sure you take it. But also, like, it doesn't even make sense because in order to get these spaghetti and meatballs, he goes back to the present, and then is like, and then he so he can then calls an Italian restaurant to get mm, his spaghetti of and meatballs. <laughs> but then he says. My hunch paid off. Spaghetti survived the changeover. In this world, someone else took it back to Italy. So, what's the problem exactly? <laughs> hey, like, listen, uh, the river of time must always flow. Why this must be, he does not know. All he can say is it has always been so. <laughs> sure. It's just, like, very strange that, like, he goes back to the present and it's like, 
everything's the same. Like, spaghetti exists, <laughs> which is like you would think would be the main thing that would be changed by this time stream. But then, like, the only difference is that no one knows who Jughead is. <laughs> like, that's the only observed <laughs> change in the timeline that we see, which just makes no sense. Uh, yeah, I... I feel that I want to talk about General Pickens uh, slash, like, old Jughead <laughs> just generally, but, like, I don't really know what else to say about him other than that, like, I, I don't, crazy. it is crazy. We get this, like, weird glimpse of, like, Jughead the hero and who is, like, I just need to go back to Mr. Lodge's old, like, game table and re- remind myself of, like, the battlefield formations so that I can go and lead the Union Army <laughs> yeah. into battle and, like, overcome insurmountable odds. Like, <laughs> Yeah, all he has to do is, like, is <laughs> look at this. Here. Oh, yeah. He just doesn't see the formations and then instantly knows, like, exactly how to, like, command an army. Yeah, that is a bizarre one sorry let me just uh and also and also like that that is like that's another thing that is seated very early on where like there's pickens park and yeah, there's like a the lot statue of stuff of pickens Colonel park. Pickens. Yeah. yeah it's just there's so much go- and then yes the, the ghost of colonel pickens is also a good uh piece of it but yeah um another thing what's up in your opinion <laughs> with the the little badge at the top of like every time police story where it's like, it's, oh, like it's not where Jughead is like it's saluting, Jughead and saluting like, in his like time in his time police dress <laughs> uniform, yes, <laughs> with the label Foresight P. Jones Deputy Marshal, which yes. is like it's not quite a badge. It seems to be some sort of like the, the bit is that like it's like an official insignia of some kind. Yeah, but it's like why is it there? <laughs> like. <laughs> Is Jughead's time police not, like, a clear enough explanation <laughs> of what we're dealing with here? Yeah, um, I, I don't really know <laughs> other than, like, I mean, there's, there's a lot of, like, Archie always loves to do a lot of, like, inset stuff like that. Like, for example, I can't remember which issue it is, but one of them ends with Jughead, like, making some like knowing joke to the audience that is like in dialogue with another character about how he was just time traveling and he's like winking at the camera and then the the end is like january mcandrews is also in there and like winking back at him (laughs) which is another like why is that there but like they i don't know they love these like weird inset things uh it's it's just part of the style i guess i don't have a lot of insight to offer sadly Oh, wow. I was just looking at, like, man, do you remember those Archie, like, best of the decade, like, sort of collected trade paperbacks? Who can forget? Those cool covers. Yep. The best of the 40s one, he's, like, wearing, like, a bomber jacket. <laughs> he says, keep him flying. And there's, like, a pinup of Betty. Yep, classic. Yeah, the, like, sexuality in Archie is a whole, like, a lot of pinups of 16-year-olds. <laughs> That's a good point. Who can deny? Uh, it was a different time, I suppose. <laughs> <laughs> Certainly. Now, Jughead plays the drums. Famously. Yes, I was, I was wondering about that. <laughs> what were you wondering specifically? I feel I can probably answer it pretty fast. Are you about to ask, Ooh. do I play the drums because of Jughead? <laughs> <laughs> pretty much. <laughs> I, I was going, I feel like we should broach the concept that you I are something Jughead. of a Jughead. <laughs> It can't be denied 
I certainly, you know, the things that Jughead is interested in, I tend to be interested in. The things that Jughead likes to do, I tend to like to do. Although this is like another weird thing I was going to bring up in terms of like some elements of the characters in Archie are like constantly in flux while others are not. Jughead either like never moves and like if you put him into a situation where he has to exert himself physically he's going to like be terribly out of shape or he's like the greatest shortstop in Riverdale baseball history (laughs) he's one there's a lot of stories like again a classic digest thing where like one story will be about how like Jughead like can't get out of his hammock basically and then in the next one it will be like Juggy's leading us to the chip and he's got like the Riverdale record for most like caught pop flies like he's got the most outs in Riverdale baseball history (laughs) yeah yeah, like we're retiring his number (laughs) (laughs) yeah I mean definitely part of that is like the more to it than meets the eye like concept of Jughead but yes there, there are there were points of this where I was like is is the, like is this the true Jughead that like we are seeing here? Like, is would he really be like? I mean, like obviously he's a very like smart and clever person, but like his like resourcefulness in the face of danger, <laughs> and like his like like I said like his unflappability and like his decisiveness also like feel not quite in keeping with his character maybe yeah but that's like kind of this like i mean archie like his whole thing is like he's so clumsy but also he's like an all-american three-sport athlete (laughs) so like a lot of them get a lot of that um and and again i feel like there's a lot of that with archie where it's like you know it's it's just a classic kind of like they're as smart or creative or like crafty or cunning as the story needs them to be he can't figure out how to like call one girl and cancel a date but when he needs to like trick again terrorists stealing mr lodge's yacht or something (laughs) then he's like i know what to do i want to talk about the jar of peanut butter well okay (laughs) (laughs) hold on i need to finish my uh thought that was initiated with jughead plays the drums which he does and uh hey was that influential to my decision to play the drums I can't deny it. And certainly Jughead is something of an aspirational figure for me in any ways. But the illustrations of drum sets in Archie comics, <laughs> this is like, I mean, okay, there's a kind of like trope uh, uh, of like, if you see like a picture of like a music store that isn't using like the stock photos that drum manufacturers send, the setups are crazy. If you ever go on Kijiji and find like the parent who has never touched a drum set, who is selling their kids kit that they played for like two months and then got bored of, they're always set up in the most like demented ways. But Jughead's drum kit consistently, (laughs) I'm just like, (laughs) have you ever like, was there not photo reference of a drum set like could you not find any picture of a drum set and you just have to like guess what they look like because he will have like his hi-hats where the snare drum is he'll have like symbols just like hanging randomly off of things i'm always just so curious like i know I, i was reading like a tweet thread recently about like how valuable like a good photo reference collection is for artists like even still because some of stuff is like so hard to find just like of images that haven't been digitized i think it was colleen duran was tweeting about it and and talking about how like 
she inherited from another artist this like crib folder basically that was full of like all this stuff that like has never been digitized never been reprinted and has been offered like thousands of dollars for it by other artists and she's just like no because it's like worth more than that (laughs) so like i get that like it might not necessarily in the 80s have been the easiest thing to just like go and find a good picture of a drum set and i also am like but come on, it can't have been that hard. Yes, my favorite is the last page of the story that uh, that I wanted to talk about as well. Where What is it called? One Jughead Too Many? Now, which one of the ones where there's multiple Jugheads is this? <laughs> <laughs> this is the one with the... Wait, oh wait, shoot, because there are two I ones of it. I think there are four stories in this trade where multiple Jugheads are involved or interact in some way. Particularly in in the last one, but there's yes the the Jughead going to talk to Jughead and talk about the flood is this what this one is? Okay, and then the last yes the the last page of that one, <laughs> the way he's playing the drum set is so crazy. He has his right his right foot is like visible in the shot because he's like <laughs> lift, he's like I mean, lifting up his right leg in the air. I I will say that is like kind of like. When you draw Jughead playing the drums, his... He's like animal. Yeah, basically. He always... The pose is basically always like this. <laughs> you are and, lifting your leg and making your arms yes. crazy. There's like one arm like up above his head, like like he's a gorilla swinging from a vine. One hand is like down and hitting something. Usually that's not where it's supposed to be. And then one leg is like at his head, like in the air (laughs) because he's like getting ready to stomp the pedal so hard. So like there's something to that. I think that is very kind of like, you know, like the, the perception of the rock and roll drummer and even like probably like Buddy Rich to an extent. And then like guys like John Bonham and Keith Moon, who likes their whole thing was just like, destroying the drum set while they played well, it and then getting a little too modern for archie references well but like for for like jughead's time like by the t- yeah the archies roll around in the 60s and he's probably like less like that in those ones although still i think like there's probably like a buddy rich element to it of like he just plays so dag fast and loud but i i think yeah like like yeah, those those like rock legends who destroy their kits <laughs> while playing them, and then Animal uh, is a good like reference point as well. That like it's just sort of like that's how drummers are; they just like flail their limbs around. Yeah. Um. What about the part when Jughead just says that he wants to watch some old John Garfield movies to brush up on how to be a ladies' man? <sighs> Do you know who that is? No. <laughs> He's just like. Some old actor who's like, basically he was like Brando before Brando, or like people talk about like James Dean with him a lot, mm-hmm. and refused to name names like before the House on American Activities Commission, and like died of a heart attack at thirty nine. Oh boy! Um, so I just there, thought that was a crazy reference. That is like, a crazy even, reference. But like, even if you're like a sixty year old writer in nineteen ninety. Why is that your reference point? You like <laughs> still like? Why is it not like right. James Dean or Marlon Brando? Right. Like how old do or, you have or to be? Just like, yeah, I, I, it is crazy that that's the like I, uh, for for being a ladies' man. Like even just like I don't know. I mean, Archie's relationship with like pop culture at large has always been very like like I don't think Jughead would never say like I need to go watch like 
a James Bond movie to like <laughs> brush up on how to be a ladies man, which is like, sure. you know, maybe more of like a relevant touch point for like, who's someone who I can think of who's like famously suave with the ladies, but like, he wouldn't ever say that because in an Archie comic, it would be like, I got to go check out the latest like James Bland flick so that I can see how to be a ladies man. <laughs> like, like uh, that, that the thing I always think of is like that dancing with the stars parody issue where Veronica has partnered up with George Hamilton. George Hamilton. <laughs> <laughs> like good pull. Um, but like, I feel like usually when Archie wants to make a pop culture reference like that, they go the like the like almost Mad Magazine esque like parody yeah. of whatever it is that they're trying to reference. So to just see like a straight up reference <laughs> to something that I'm like, who even <laughs> knows who that yeah, is? What is <laughs> like, for example, I was going to bring up because I'm not sure of what it's supposed to be, when he puts his shield in the T-Rex's mouth and says, I saw a sci-fi flick that did this. And I was like, obviously, I'm supposed to know what this is a reference to. (laughs) But I was like, do they do that in Jurassic Park? I don't... Yes. Do they? And then I was like, "Don't they do it in Jurassic World at the very least?" I, I know. I don't know. Out, <laughs> then I was like, "Well, Jaws, like the tank, but like that's not a sci-fi movie." Yeah. Uh, like I, I was just like, and also Jurassic Park was maybe not out yet at the time of that <laughs> issue. Jurassic Park was what, like ninety-three. Ninety-three is correct. Yes. So that that was just like an, a case of kind of like more what you would expect from Archie in terms of like how they usually reference pop culture where they do it like kind of obliquely or as a parody and like generally try not to like kind of step on any toes. But I was just like, uh, but I don't get the reference. <laughs> like what, what it, I don't get the reference. Yeah. It's a very classic, like, and I'm I mean, like it, even though these are from like 1990, they're pretty, they're basically from like 1955 yes. as all Archie comics are. Um, but yeah, I feel like it is a very classic, like, where, like, you're just watching or, like, watching an old TV show or something where it's, like, <laughs> wait, we were talking about, um, I saw this in a toothpaste commercial. No, you know That's, I don't okay. think so. Uh, I'm going to send you a video, so just vamp for a second. Well, I'm here looking at the Jurassic Park Wikipedia article. Reading the plot summary, it is at this time that I have to confess that I've never seen Jurassic Park start to finish. Um, wow. Yeah. Yeah, it's a big blind spot for me. But I feel like that movie has a lot of iconic scenes that are easy to reference with, uh, like when you've got a T-Rex <laughs> stomping around. Are you clicking on my link? I am slowly but surely clicking on your link. Anyways, hold on to your butts. I think that's the movie where Samuel L. Jackson says that. Mm-hmm. Um, Newman uh, is there. <laughs> the raptors, the glass of water. Lifea finds a way. Totally. Yes. Um, you know, the whole... <laughs> so you've not watched this video. <laughs> you've not watched the video I've sent you, which is from a Looney Tunes cartoon. I don't know which one it is, but Bugs Bunny says, I saw a guy do this in a toothpaste ad once, and then like throws a bucket of water, which instantly freezes <laughs> like in midair. to the ground. Forming and a wall. Tappy Tuck smashes into it. <laughs> and that's like what I think of where it's like, <laughs> that reference, like for the people at the time, that reference was like, ah, it's just like that commercial. To, to Winterfresh. 
<laughs> but it's so devoid of context to us. <laughs> Oh, and I am so seeing a recommended video title. I saw a guy do this in a toothpaste ad once, a thumbnail, a crude drawing of Bugs Bunny holding a revolver to Davy Duck's forehead. <laughs> uh, um, okay, I want to talk about the jar of peanut butter. Okay, we, yes. we have we have less than 20 minutes left. We're not going to um, make it to 20 minutes, I can tell you right now. Hit me with the jar of peanut butter talk. Um, so in this issue where there's this flood, there's like basically the whole conceit of the issue is that like, there's this history of the flood in the future, but they don't have any like information about it. And so Jughead wants to prevent the flood, but also like he, maybe he shouldn't because like it's illegal for time. Of time must always flow. Precisely. Um, and so what they sort of, they I actually think this is like a clever idea, you know, because like in order to fulfill this archaeological evidence, they invent this story of like there being a big flood. And the whole thing is like that they put this newspaper headline into a jar of peanut butter. <laughs> um, and for some reason, they in order to accomplish this task, they feel compelled to go into Jughead's pantry <laughs> And eat an entire jar of peanut butter. <laughs> it's because then, Jughead like, is loath to waste food of any kind. Yes. And, and and the button of it is, of course, that it's the wrong jar. <laughs> There's an empty jar inexplicably sitting in the pantry, which then uh, becomes... So, first of all, they're, they're out of bread is one thing. <laughs> Could they not have just gotten bread? And also, would that be better? Yeah, because you still have to eat all the peanut butter, but now you're just adding... You also yeah, have eating to eat a all loaf this of bread. bread. Could you? Do you think you could do this? Is what I really want to talk about. Could I eat a whole jar of? Pe- well, okay. Let's. Well, Jughead well, eats like three quarters right. of it. And like, let's be clear that, like, I wouldn't do this because, <laughs> as we've discussed, like he doesn't he doesn't need to eat the jar of peanut butter. He chooses to because he doesn't want to waste the food. So if my motivation is I don't want to waste this peanut butter, no, I could not eat three quarters of the jar of peanut butter for that reason alone. They also draw the peanut, like the peanut butter looks disgusting. Like when he pulls the spoon out, it is like a sickening, like makes me want to throw up, like just looking at it. Cause it looks so not like peanut butter. But like, if you're asking like, in a life or death situation, like preserve the timeline, uphold the, you know, the river of time must always flow. Could I eat three quarters of a jar of like craft smooth peanut butter with a spoon? I think I could. This is, of course, sticky peanut butter. Of course. Brand. Of course. It's just even more disgusting yeah, to think about. Truly gr- it's and, like well, extra sticky. The whole scene is disgusting because they then like try to talk to each other while eating it and are like, I would never say glurk, 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 And it's like. Yes. They do like that. That's like the most vile mouth sound you've ever heard. <laughs> uh, but, but yes, I think even uh, without those, like. Again, not because of the motivation of I don't want to waste any food, but like in a competition setting where I'm trying to see who can eat the most peanut butter. And there's like, (laughs) I I famously uh, like to frame how much of that do you think you could eat questions with in a competition setting to establish that your life is not in danger but but you do have a strong incentive. Yeah, but you have. We want to talk about the funeral sandwiches. (laughs) 
I attended my wife's grandmother's funeral. Rest in peace, Nanny. You were a beautiful soul. I was there with her family, which included her brother. And her brother and my brother at the time were roommates. It's a very interconnected web of family connections, to say the least. And her brother was telling me a story about how he had recently gone out for sushi with my brother. And <laughs> he said... And our I, brother, our, Yeah, clear. our brother. Um, <laughs> and said... Like man, Steve Steve can really slay the sush. Like, and and told the story of like the the most like classic sushi's all you can eat sushi scenario yeah. where like they it's ordered crushing. way too much sushi at the end and like all of a sudden everyone was like completely full and then like three more trays of sushi showed up and then Stephen our brother proceeded to like basically eat all of it <laughs> it had made like a lasting impression on Luke <laughs> and we were at the reception of the funeral and so he starts eyeing like so Nanny uh, was a member and like longtime attendee of this United Church so it was like a classic like church basement reception where the church ladies had made a bunch of like finger sandwiches with like cream cheese and cucumber and tuna salad and, yeah with the crust cut off of course Ooh, all sheesh. all that and so luke my wife's brother starts eyeing these finger sandwiches and says how many of these do you think steven could smash <laughs> this and this is the origin of the competition setting phrase because it was like what like do you mean like for fun is there like a gun to his head and and luke was like no no like he wants to eat as many as he can but it's not like a life or death situation so i was like okay so a competition setting <laughs> how many of these can he eat and luke proposed that he could eat a hundred <laughs> I'm getting a lightheaded at how hard I just laughed at that idea. That is functionally 25, like, full sandwiches. Like, a little less because you've got the crust cut off. But I was like, there's no way that you can eat a hundred of these. I'm just imagining eating 10, which, like, I think, like, the average... Yeah, like, when you're... I think the average adult could, like, I think anyone, (laughs) if it came right down to it, could eat 10 of those. Yeah, I But I'm imagining eating 10 and then being, like, you're one-tenth of the way there. (laughs) Like, I think, yeah, I think, like, most people, when they are, like, at those things will eat like at least four of them like you basically eat like a sandwich is worth unless you're like going hard at the dessert like the square table you're gonna (laughs) eat like a goodly number of those those little finger sandwiches (laughs) a hundred is like oh sounds like uh hey that should be in the game of thrones cookbook Oh, yeah, got it. Little finger sandwiches. Got it. Okay. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I see you nodding, nodding vigorously. Um, but anyways, all that to say, like, I'm having a hard time imagining it. I often make smoothies for breakfast into which I will plop a heaping, uh, like, spoonful, <laughs> a heaping spoonful of peanut butter. And then we'll, like, you know, you can never get all the peanut butter off. And I'll just, like, lick the spoon clean. And I'm like, I could do that many times i'm sure but then like the idea of just like eating straight peanut butter in like a large quantity is like the heaping spoonful i wouldn't yeah i would i would definitely have to take smaller bites than that and there would definitely like i don't want to drink milk because that is not a recipe for eating as much peanut butter as you possibly can but i feel like you need something like that just to like 
grease the wheels, but like I, I also feel <laughs> like you the pipes. definitely don't want water. <laughs> yeah. Oh, what a <laughs> what a what dilemma! A fascinating conundrum we <laughs> Do you remember that um, Reese's commercial where it, like a guy basically just like dipped a bar of chocolate in peanut butter and then ate it, and then his friend was like, "Bro, what are you doing?" try this <laughs> as if the guy like never heard of a Reese's kind peanut butter of, cup yeah. yet uh, um, truly disgusting face and the face that Jughead makes when he is like when he comes to the grim realization that he has eaten like 75% of a jar of peanut butter <laughs> for nothing he looks so ill <laughs> yes he he's got some faces in in this for sure the sweat that's pouring out. <laughs> yes. I mean, even when he's in the act of it, eating it, like the very first, oh, again, the the drawing of the peanut butter is one of the vilest <laughs> things I've ever seen. But after they start eating the peanut butter and they're like deep into the one page, no, I thought you said Nyak Veeble Snurp. He's looking a face, or he's making a face that looks very delighted, but every other time you see him eating the peanut butter he looks like he's like i don't know he looks like it's like a sock game where like he has to eat as much <laughs> peanut butter as he can to like diffuse the bomb in his stomach that like reacts to peanuts <laughs> uh, he's slightly like bulgy as well which is like another classic archie thing that like he eats a ton and like becomes insanely fat for one panel yeah i feel like i feel as though we don't see a lot of the classic Jughead eating a lot moments in these issues. But no, I feel like I feel like we see more of like Jughead saying no to food. Yeah, there is like, a I lot. Feel like of we that. see those moments more than we ever see him eating something, which seems crazy. Like, I mean, obviously, there's the whole like there's the him traveling through time and eating the spaghetti. Like, that's a very classic uh, Jughead ism. But like, well, like, yeah, like when we you think about f- like the the quote from Twelve Cent Archie about how like. One one of the like most important things about an Archie comic is like their the few character traits and like the their essentiality to the characters. When you consider how little eating Jughead does, it is kind of like shocking in a way because I would say that like his his like defining character traits are like the only thing I love more than food is my friends, basically. Right. Um. Anyways. What else do we need to cover here? Uh, Let me think. There's that one where Jughead teaches Archie how to eat a lot for his eating competition. This is another thing I think of. Are we just just going through? Yeah, absolutely. Yes, where he tells Archie he should dance, and Archie is dancing while eating a hot dog and and thinking, gotta keep eating, gotta keep dancing. Another part he he thinks to himself, squeeze the air out. Yeah, but wait. Is that for, okay? <laughs> this is partly why I thought of this. Is that from that Archie story, or is that from Beethoven's Second? Because in Beethoven's Second, there is also a hamburger eating competition, and the yes. dad is like, <laughs> like punching the air out of the burgers to like jam them into his mouth whole. Oh, I'm so happy. That so, reference. What's the last time you saw that? Movie? Oh, because I watched it. It's been like. <laughs> Probably like close to twenty years, <laughs> like no exaggeration. Close such to... a bit of... Oh yeah, sure. I can tell you all about how he like rips down a cottage, Solomon or wow. like Samson in the temple style because Rice <laughs> is being sexually assaulted. I can tell you all about how Regina By like Danny Masterson, yeah, <laughs> which 
We should have, mm-hmm. we probably should have seen it, how naturally uh-huh. he slid into that role. Um, I can tell you all about how Regina like gets buried in a mudslide, but like, it, is it manure or is it mud? It sure looks like manure, I but I it think does. it is supposed to be like mud. by a river. Yeah. I mean, yes, you can I, forget I like when all the puppies come bounding around the corner at the dad and he's like, yeah, who's going to what now? <laughs> yeah. I, I watched it. I rewatched it quite recently. Holds up really strong. Uh-huh. I can um, only imagine. And, yes, and that that shot that you're afraid to, which I've forgotten about, where he is like furiously <laughs> punching the hammer. Well, like his the other competitors in the competition are also like just portrayed as like the most disgusting people who also yeah. have like hamburger bun like all over their faces, and are, everyone yeah. is just like. Oh. Like covered in like meat and grease. It's yes, such it's a grotesque. disgusting scene. <laughs> uh, so, anyways, I often get confused between that scene and when Archie enters the eating competition. Um, boy, I mean, what more can we say? Our ninety-minute timer surely must be getting close. No, it's not. It's, we've still got five minutes well, and forty seconds left. I have nothing um, more was... to say about Jughead's Time Police, other than to say, like once again, like the staying power of it, I do find somewhat like confusing or surprising because, like on on the cover of the book we read, it says the entire cult classic in one collection. And it, like, does seem to be a cult classic. Like, again, there was, like, a Riverdale episode that I haven't seen, but my understanding is that it is, like, a Jughead's Time Police riff or, like, Jughead's Time Police inspired. They hit it in issue two of, like, the 2015 Jughead series, and then it got its own miniseries. Like, and, like, it's not, (laughs) I mean, to be clear, I love Jughead's Time Police, and, like, it's not good like it's not notably different from like your average archie comic really i don't think at least and so i'm just like what is it about this concept that people are like seem very fond of it seem very attached to it and yet when i went to do research on it like jughead's time police doesn't have its own article it barely even has like a blurb in like the jughead wikipedia article rich marjopolis has like never given an interview in his career it seems like like nobody's out here like talking about jughead's time police and even when you go to like look for like reviews or or like like some kind of like nostalgia piece about it or anything like that it's just like reviews of the new cena grace miniseries or it's like like, you know, Archie just re-released this, like, collection of Jughead's Time Police and, like, I'm going to review it. But there's nothing from, like, before this came out where people are like, man, remember Jughead's Time Police? Like, I, get, I, I don't get how it has kind of, like, persevered and, you know, when I, like, part of the reason it came back to, into our sort of, like, collective consciousness obviously we both had strong memories of it. But, like, I was at the comic shop and saw it sitting on the shelf and I was like... Archie, like, <laughs> Archie remembers Jughead's Time Police. Like, I must get this. I must revisit it because, again, like, we have a lot of fondness for it. We love it. But I was like, but do other people? <laughs> and, and apparently the answer is yes. Yeah, it's, it is very curious that, like, yeah, it, like you said, like, it is straight. I was really shocked that there was this, like, digest that you had of it because, like, it seems like it's something where... Like in in the same vein of like gotta keep eating, gotta keep dancing. That's like it only lives on because we reference right. it, and we only reference it because we read the story 
conservatively 200 <laughs> times and just have like every line ingrained into our minds. Just before, because we do only have two and a half minutes left on our timer, um, another slice is another <laughs> yeah, thing a that classic. we should probably talk about. That's a classic Jughead moment Yeah, uh, vis-a-vis food where he is hooked up to a like brain he's, machine he's supposed to be like basically focus grouping some movies yeah he's like product testing yeah uh, but like every <laughs> everything is like this movie's about a skateboarder he's a real hot dog and then you see jughead's thought bubble that's like hot dog and it's like the <laughs> approval ratings are spiking off the charts, are off the charts. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. and so they like make all the movies and then like they come out and bomb and the executives are like, we're going to be fired. But then it's like, it's okay, guys. The movies didn't do good, but the concessions are like flying. <laughs> like we can't, we can't keep the concession stands loaded. Hey, great profit margins yeah. on that soda. Yeah. But I can't imagine the studios are happy about that, but what can you do? Probably not. I believe, yeah, I believe it ends up being that like the story, the movie that's gets greenlit is about like a golfing doctor. Yeah. Something the like only that. one I remember is another slice, which is the golfer saying yeah. "darn another slice." But they they are all clips that reference food in some way, and Jughead like drools internally and imagines like the food in question and his ratings spike. Remember the one A where Archie learns to rap. Well, I remember the full comic that is told in rap. <laughs> I mean, I can yes. rap the whole comic start to finish, and I'm <laughs> uploading it to Genius right now. So, yeah. <laughs> I mean, like, how do you mom me? I hope I'm not too late for getting all the goodies you're putting on my plate, certainly. Uh, park it there, my darling boy, the way that you were learned. If you've been any later, do your test would have been burnt. Uh, and, and of Archie's course... dad says learnt, and his mom says sometimes we rappers like to cut grammatical corners. <laughs> Archie's Archie mom says, says, get woke, Fred. Uh, <laughs> stop trying to police language. Uh, white patterns of speech are not inherently better or more correct and you know mm-hmm. Archie's dad has to really do the work and and educate himself and he becomes hey. a great ally what's crazy is like that actually is what it would be like nowadays <laughs> I'm, not, I'm, I'm serious uh well we have 20 seconds out of this Boy. episode um so until next time <laughs> <laughs> Well, I mean, I think we've I think we've said all we need oh, to say. I, I hope, think we've I hope, said. I hope this is worth it to someone. <laughs> Truly, this is just like pouring out all of our like deeply embedded core memories into a yes, podcast yes. episode. Hey, we love Archie, and we, and we gotta, you know, I would, uh, I think we might make our way around to Mark Wade at some point, and I will be interested to if that happens. Talk about the 2015 Archie reboot. In which, fortunately, the legwork of us just like getting all the references out of our system is already done, and we can mostly focus a little bit more on like the comic and the and the update. So, you know, who knows? More Archie content in the future is certainly a possibility. But yeah, to go back and revisit these ones, like I, th- I feel like in a lot of ways we've talked about everything there is to talk about, and like some of the things that we have not talked about or only talked about briefly, such as like the overt sexuality of <laughs> Archie comics generally and Jughead doing yellow face and things like that are like, so like, you know, <laughs> like we, everyone gets it. We all know. <laughs> and like, <laughs> uh, at this point, like I have, I have no new uh, groundbreaking ideas to offer about those <laughs> subjects. And I uh, can only say that like Archie is a problematic fave. And like, that's, that's just a burden I have to carry. <laughs> the right way to put it but that's going to do it for this episode and for this uh this interstitial what should we call it? is there like a comics term uh, I guess i've like been calling like them the annuals 
Mm, that's good. Especially because it takes us so freaking long to get through <laughs> any given creator, am I right? This ain't me. Okay, so I hope you enjoyed that. Uh, of course, if you're just, if somehow this is the first episode you're hearing. I'm so I'm sorry. sorry. Please go listen to the full Scott McLeod and Brian K. Vaughn miniseries. Yeah, we there's, don't, some, there's like two good episodes in there. We don't just talk about <laughs> the things that we remember. And like, if you Google for a couple hours, you might be able to find. Wait, let me just make, see if this smart guy Archie Comics thing is oh, on YouTube. Oh, I'm going to, I'm going to be pulling a lot of YouTube clips to, to go up on the old Twitter, uh, uh, when this episode comes out <laughs> um oh the one one other just very small thing uh-huh. in the very in the last issue bring on the jugheads yes um it, one of the when he's you know the getting the team together of jugheads uh-huh. are you talking about the one... tie that one of them is wearing <laughs> no, why what's that I, I just was like <laughs> is that jughead wearing a tie and then i was like he is and like certainly this comic came out in 1993 or 1992 or what what have you his his outfits in several of these are crazy for a character who like it's that's just saying something when you consider that his two signature things are like his crown hat and his s sweater man remember soup head sure do um but yeah there's no when he's gathering the jughead there's one part where he it like one of them is found because he and betty are just like hanging out oh yeah and, like and baking and together betty i was like, like can't wait to try like, your new cookie recipe yeah and i was just like this is really nice like i think like bet you know like betty and jughead that's just like really good vibes like they're hey, both nice people Riverdale like, betty can talk about his... why oh oh no oh you don't know about bughead <laughs> oh <laughs> Uh, and until next time (laughs) (laughs) that's uh you know like the weirdo speech though right surely i don't i don't know any of this and we can't you uh, all i'll say is you must look up the jughead weirdo meme because it is everything that i don't like about riverdale and it's very funny and just know that I believe that speech is delivered in the context of Bughead. Okay. So anyways, next it. week on to Persepolis, uh, <laughs> <laughs> which I'm, I'm sure, I'm sure, you know, relatively equal artistic achievement to Jughead's Time Police. <laughs> yes, uh, sure. Um, so look out for that. Give us two stars on Apple Podcasts. If you are having... Oh, well, no, that's that's months in the past now. Don't worry about that. Uh, everything is fine <laughs> with the RSS feed and everything else. Um, you can, you know, of we should be tweet at us always at GotTheRunsPod or email us at GotTheRunsPod at gmail.com. Do not try to email us through the RSS feed. <laughs> it's um... fine. Everything is fine. <laughs> But yes, everyone, be on the lookout for that. But until next time, to to be continued. Peace to the world. Check out something similar to that effect at some point in one of these.